anyone miss two and a half games of an NFL season and still be the very best player in the league? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. Steelers 20, Ravens 19. As if anyone would have expected anything different, at least in terms of the tightness. And it's in these environments that the truly great players show up. Not that they rise up, not that they find some other level. I've never been a believer in that. I just believe that they make the biggest and most visible difference. Because they can. Because they aren't overwhelmed by the situation. And in fact, they feel as if they can influence the situation. Ben Roethlisberger, after a week of all kinds of discussion following the ESPN report that he's been telling people that he's going to retire after the season. I'll get into that in the second segment today. Put up 17 points in the fourth quarter. Again, again, same way he did out in L.A. against the Chargers. He's gotten stronger as games have gone along, even if he hasn't necessarily gotten the offense to be better as the season has gone along. If that makes any sense, he still needs his warm-up time. But when he gets it, when the offense figures some stuff out and starts getting a little bit imaginative, it looks like it did in the second half. Najee Harris ran for the hardest 71 yards in NFL history, given that the offensive line was doing nothing to help him. Deontay Johnson was outstanding at wide receiver beyond just the two touchdowns that he put up. And on the defensive side, uh, you know, I mean, I can parenthetically mention that Minka Fitzpatrick had it an interception, which is a welcome thing to see, that Cam Hayward remained Cam Hayward. Chris Wormley rose up against his former team, and yes, in his case, he did rise up because he was way better than he was in previous weeks. And they had other players, new guys in some cases, Akello Witherspoon starting out at corner uh, in place of Joe Hayden, who did pretty well, pretty well. But this outcome came about because number 90 decided it was going to be that way. T.J. Watt finished this game with six tackles, three and a half sacks for 12 yards and losses, three tackles for losses, six quarterback hits, and, oh, just, by the way, a forced fumble. That, of course, was on a strip sack that he had late in the game. And just for good measure... Although it does not show up in this stat line, when the Ravens went for two at the end of the game, John Harbaugh's idea, he'd explain later because Baltimore had lost Marlon Humphrey, their only really viable, and he's good, NFL cornerback, and felt that it was going to be too challenging for his defense. 
in overtime that he decided he was going to go for the two points right then and there. It was TJ who got to the Baltimore backfield, put pressure on Lamar Jackson, and forced Lamar's arm angle to go downward a little bit. So his pass for the big tight end, Mark Edwards, wasn't exactly where it needed to be. I thought Edwards still could have caught the ball. Depending on how one measures drops, I counted that as Edwards' third drop of the game. Some will disagree with me, especially on the very first one, which would have been a tough catch. But whatever, you know, you're paid to catch the ball, catch the ball. The ball was there. A wide receiver probably catches that, which is why what I really question about Baltimore's decision wasn't so much Harbaugh playing the analytics. A lot of coaches are doing that now, but way more about the actual scheme. If I've got Lamar Jackson down by the goal line, that ball's staying in his hands because even if something goes wrong, he can still make it go right. I didn't like the play call, was okay with the decision, but I loved the way it was defended. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Here's a little bit of what TJ had to say about that final play. I don't know. He he throws from all different crazy arm angles all the time, so you can never tell. I'm not going to take credit for anything like that. Uh, He's been throwing off of different angles his whole career, and that's something that uh, we knew coming into this game, and just glad the, the guy didn't catch it. He'll downplay everything. He'll deflect all the credit. This is who he is. I know and you know that with the time he missed, with the games that he missed, he's got virtually no chance to be Defensive Player of the Year. He should have been that last year in the NFL, lost out to Aaron Donald. He absolutely should be that this year. He's currently leading the league in sacks. Now, sacks aren't everything, and sacks in some cases can be overblown. If you're a one-trick pony, uh, and, and we've seen some of those over the years in Pittsburgh, it's, it's not the most valuable measure of how much someone impacts your defense. In TJ's case, he disrupts everything. He blows up everything. And, and this is not to take credit away from some other guys who I thought were, were terrific, least of all Cam Hayward, who's just you know, got to be in that same discussion for Defensive Player of the Year. I thought Alex Highsmith was really strong. Uh, Did a lot to collapse the pocket against Lamar Jackson while also maintaining the contained, the, the aura that they were hoping to keep around him to prevent him from having one of his patented long runs. He ended up with 55 yards on the ground, but it wasn't really anything that did great damage because of that scheme. Very similar to one, by the way, that the Dolphins used against the Ravens. TJ went further, because TJ always goes further. TJ didn't just contain. TJ got through that bubble. 
He got to Lamar. He got to the football. He made things happen every other snap. This is what this individual does. And if you really, really want to quantify it, heck, if you really want to discuss, instead of his achievements, the time that he's missed, go look at the Steelers' record in those games, in those two and a half games. They're all L's. He was missed that much. And I understand that that's a flawed way of approaching uh, any argument about who's most valuable, because otherwise you could just say, you know, whatever, whatever guy happens to be hurt when your team loses, you could say he's super valuable. But in this case, there is an enormous difference in this football team between when TJ plays and when he doesn't. Wow, does anyone remember the at least mild debate? that was going on before the season about whether or not the Steelers should really be committing that massive contract to him? Really? I mean, I understand he's only 27 years old and he's got a long way to go in that deal. But try to picture this team's present without him. Heck, try to picture the future without him. There's already so much that seems so uncertain about where this team is headed other than you know, Najee Harris, I guess, Deontay Johnson, and a couple other players. Cam Hayward is 32. Imagine if there was no TJ. And looking at that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, this was crazy, crazy to have ever attempted any kind of counter-argument to this. Special player. A special, special player. A generational player. His contributions can't be overstated. And his ranking in the NFL at any defensive position is above that of anyone else. Anyone else. When we come back, just one question. for just one question and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbage, Kelly and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need help with workers comp or medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise that they keep that promise and this law firm has been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them at lgkg.com. And today's J1Q comes from my man John, who asks, Hey, DK, I got your Steelers J1Q. Why are Steelers fans dwelling on next year and post-Big Ben era instead of enjoying the last game's of his career. Let's enjoy what we have. Embrace the present. Appreciate his ability to will this team to win. 
John, we are not going to change how people behave or how they think. I happen to agree with you. I live my life that way. I'm not real big on looking too far into the future, and I'm definitely not into revisiting the past. But first off, yeah, I asked Ben after the game about the report late in the week from ESPN that he'd been telling people that he's going to retire after this season. Well, I haven't told everybody that. (laughs) You know, honestly, we just got done with this game. I'm exhausted. Uh, And we play in a couple hours, it feels like. Um, And so that's my focus. My focus is on Minnesota and and what we have to do to get ready. I'll address any of that stuff after the season. I've I've always been a one game at a time, one season at a time person. I'm going to stay that way. And that response is going to get parsed to death. That's the way this stuff goes. Don't bother with it. He's going to retire after the year. This isn't some big, smashing, breaking news, hot exclusive, or or anything of the kind. There's nobody anywhere who would have told you otherwise who's around the team. But it's all in how you frame it and how you present it. I happen to be completely on Mike Tomlin's side when he said this yesterday after the game. Ben doesn't allow it to become an issue. Um, Ben has been pretty solid in terms of his expressions that he's singularly focused on what it is that we're doing now. He'll deal with those things on the other side of this journey, and I'm with him on it. And so um, it is not a distraction. Uh, I thought it was funny that it was seemingly a story this weekend, to be quite honest with you. Right. Making a story out of it is like, wow. It's not official. It's not official with anything that Ben says. It wasn't going to be official with anything that he said to any of his friends. It wasn't going to be official until he stands there at a podium and says, I am done. That's when it's news. That's when it's significant. This part, we all knew. But we are in Pittsburgh. Please take this in the right spirit. I'm born and raised here and will never leave. But we are rampantly insecure when it comes to A, our city, and B, our sports teams. We just are. We can't take a compliment when somebody comes from out of town and says that the city's really nice, whatever else. We get like, what, really? Even though the city is drop-dead gorgeous. And it's never been a healthier place to be. We can't, we can't handle it. We can't process it. With our sports teams, we're always looking to the next thing. We're always looking to whatever is a year or two or five down the road. People think that it's just Pirates fans who are like that. It's not. It's everybody. It's it's fans of the Steelers and Penguins as well, even though those two teams have enjoyed obviously a lot more success in recent years. We're constantly worried about the next thing. And when I say the next thing, I don't mean even next year. We saw, especially those of us who are uh, you know, a little bit older, that Terry Bradshaw came along, and everything was great. Franchise quarterback equals great. And then we saw uh, 20 years of not Terry Bradshaw. 
and we saw all the, you know, Mark Malone's and oh, Cordell Stewart's and Neil O'Donnell and everything else that led eventually into Ben. Ben comes along. Ben is a high draft pick, just like Bradshaw was. Ben stays around way longer than Bradshaw. Wins a couple more Super Bowls for the the Mantle case down there at uh, at South Water Street, and this is the way it's got to be. So we're we've been focused on the next quarterback, not in the past week, not in the past year. It's been forever. We've been focused on the next quarterback because we only think there's one way. I'm not exempting myself from this. I've had the same thought. Every year watching the NFL draft, I think to myself, watching, oh, yeah, that guy would be great. He'd be the next heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. As if we have to keep one of those guys waiting in the wings, like right out back, the way the Packers did with... uh, with Aaron Rodgers when they still had Brett Favre, the way the 49ers did when they had Steve Young waiting behind Joe Montana. We'd think that's how it's supposed to be because everyone needs to have their nerves settled over this. I'm I'm not there. I'm not thinking about next year's quarterback. I'm sorry. I know that would be great for getting engagement and listens and whatever else, you know, clicks to an article. Who will be the Steelers' next quarterback? Here are our five choices. And everyone would read it. Or on the show, everyone would listen. It just doesn't interest me. It doesn't interest me. Not yet. Not yet. As you heard Ben say in his answer, to me, he's he's focused on the now. He's focused on Minneapolis. Minneapolis is only three days away. They've got a take on the Vikings, they've got to beat the Vikings, or none of this stuff that happened yesterday will matter all that much. They need to get to 7-5-1 to maintain a respectable, plausible playoff position. They should probably beat that team, and I'm not just saying that because they lost to the Lions yesterday, because the Steelers tied the Lions. The Vikings have had a really weird season. They're beatable. They're beatable anywhere, including in their place. That's it. That's it. If Ben, his family, people that he's the closest to are aware that his intention is to be done after this year, again, who's going to be surprised by that? And what's the point of... uh, you know, having him come right out and say it whenever I asked that question yesterday and saying, you know what, you're right, I'm done after this year. It's just not going to do anybody any good. What does do them good is for him to say, listen, whatever I just did out on the field there, I'd like to do that again in Minneapolis, and I'd like to do it again a few more times after that and get my team into the playoffs and, you know, I was about to say close it out on a good note, but that's not the way you'd be thinking. You just can't. Remember the old Chuck Knoll line when you start thinking that you've retired, you've already retired? I've never completely believed that, but there's some truth to it. He has to stay on point here. I appreciate the question, John. It's, It's good stuff. As you can tell, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of layers to this. 
But I can tell you that I'm not going to be sitting here obsessing over Ben's status the rest of the way. I am presuming, and I have done so all year, that he's not coming back in 2022. So, like you said in your question, he's here. We're watching him now. Inside Heinz Field, yesterday 60,000 people got to cheer on the 51st Ben Roethlisberger comeback. Pretty cool stuff. Plenty enough there to enjoy without having to concoct other stuff. I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow. 